Church family, today we're going to be starting the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans written by Paul. And we're going to march verse by verse through this bad boy. It's going to take us a while, but we're going to go through the first seven verses today. So grab your Bibles, grab your highlighters and your pens, maybe your iPads or your phones even, and get ready because we're going to dig in right now. So we start right at the beginning. Verse 1, it says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You know, back in the day, the author would put his name first so you know who it's coming from. And here it's Paul, obviously. So, uh, And he calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So let's do that right there. A bondservant of Jesus Christ. Uh, so what is a bondservant? In the Greek, that term is doulos. And a doulos, a bondservant, let me tell you a story of how that works. A bondservant was like a slave, but one who had chosen to willingly serve their master. You're like, how does that work? Actually, it describes the situation in Exodus chapter 21, verse 5. Let me read it to you. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, and I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And that is where we get the term bond servant from. It's a servant who willingly chooses out of love to serve their master. So that's what Paul calls himself. So right out of the gate, Paul is saying, I love Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of anyone hearing about it. I am not ashamed of Jesus. I love him. I serve him, and I will forever, and I am proud to represent Jesus to you. Now we move on to where it says he's called to be an apostle. This was someone who uh, was specially chosen by God to carry uh, this message of God, his gospel, into the world. And so Paul, you know, he was a Jewish rabbi. And then he had this encounter with Jesus where Jesus uh, introduced himself to him, basically. Uh, I'll let you figure out how that happened. Uh, and he learned that he was all wrong about Jesus. You know, he had been persecuting Christians. He thought he was being zealous for God, but he was all wrong about Jesus. So after he meets Jesus, Jesus appoints him to go out through the world and tell them who Jesus really is, because maybe a lot of people are misinformed about who Jesus is. So now we go on and see that he was separated to the gospel of God, the gospel of God. And there is the great theme of this book, the gospel. And Paul was separated for it. He became an apostle, which made him separated to the gospel. 
So we are going to spend a lot of time developing and learning about what this term, the gospel, what it means, because it is definitely, let's see, can I make a star? It is definitely the key to this whole book and and our entire lives as believers, really. Uh, So we're going to be studying that term gospel a lot. So I'm just going to make a circle around that so that we know it's really clear. Now he's going to go on and he's going to describe what this gospel is. And the word gospel literally means good news. So God has good news for us. And Paul's mission is to explain this good news, uncover what it means for you and I. So he says, which he promised before through his holy scriptures. We see the word promised here. God always works through promises. That's the type of guy that he is, always making promises and keeping his word, his promises. And his promises are contained in the word of God. That's why we have the Bible. That's why God preserved it for us, gave it to us as a gift. They contain his wonderful promises about his son. So it says, before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the Bible is very important for us because it contains his promises. And these promises all point to Jesus. He's the fulfillment of every promise of God. It runs kind of like a crimson cord, a crimson thread, through the Old Testament and all the different stories and the different books and the different ways it communicates. It's going to have Jesus, the story of Jesus, the promise of Jesus in all of those stories on every page of the Old Testament. We're going to see Jesus. As we've studied the Old Testament, you know that we've seen many of these promises. You could start way back in the Garden of Eden when uh, God makes a prophecy, a promise to Eve that one day uh, one of her seed, so a human, would come and he would crush the head of the serpent. Uh, this is a promise that one day God would send a deliverer who would be a human, like Jesus, and he would destroy all that Satan had done to wreck creation and God's plan. In the story of Noah, God promised that he would save the world from judgment again. Then Abraham comes on the scene and we're told that one of his descendants would bless all the nations. And then that promise is repeated to Isaac and to Jacob and to all the children of Israel after that. Then David became the king of Israel and God took David aside and promised him that one of his descendants would eventually be the great king that would rule the entire world, the son of God. The promise again is repeated to David's son Solomon when he becomes king. Then all the prophets come and they hear the same promise from the Lord and they give that promise in prophecies to the nation of Israel during all the turmoil of the next couple thousand years. And all of it pointed to Jesus. All of these promises pointed to Jesus. And that's how we see it was concerning his son Jesus, Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. So just like the promise said, 
Jesus was born as the son of David. His line is traced up both through Mary and through Joseph. Uh, Mary, his mother, and Joseph, his we call him stepdad. Um, they both have their lines go straight up through to David. So he p- fulfills this promise right there. Okay, well, how do we know, though, that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises? How do we know that? Paul gives us a couple reasons right here that are kind of amazing. Number one, we just saw that he was the one that was promised because of the line. He was born in the right family. You know, he didn't have any choice of when he was born or where he was born, but there was promises made that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be born in this very specific family, that he wasn't even from Bethlehem, but he was from Nazareth, and all these different things. You don't have a choice of where you're born, where your parents are from, but Jesus still fulfilled every single one of those prophecies, that those promises made about him. And number two, we see that he was declared to be the Son of God with power. And how did that happen? According to the uh, spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So the big thing that proves that Jesus is this guy that this whole book is about, that brings us the gospel, the good news of God, is because he, with the power of God, was risen from the dead. He broke that one rule that no one can break. No mere human can ever rise from the dead. Only Jesus can do that. And he did. Going on, it says, Through him, we have received grace. There's an important word, received. And apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. So that's what the gospel gives us. This is the whole point of us getting the gospel, is that we receive grace through him. We receive grace through him. Grace is a free gift for whatever we're called to be, like apostle, or whatever we're called to do, obedience. All those things are a free gift of God's grace. And this grace always just connects us straight to Jesus. Look what we see here. We see that it's through him. We see it's for his name. And then we're called of Jesus Christ. Of can mean we belong to him. Now it says this letter is to all who are in Rome, beloved of God called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's never met these people, but he knows about them. He knows that they believe in Jesus and God loves them dearly. They're beloved of God and that God's work in their life makes them saints. How does he know that? Because every sinner who meets Jesus is transformed into a saint. He finishes the intro by saying, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the practical, tangible reality for God's beloved people. We get peace. We get grace. 
We get to be his people of peace, and we get to live lives of grace. And you can describe this like Paul does, as a life that flows from God and Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. So it's just a life that's constantly being received on a spiritual level from our Heavenly Father. Guys, every single one of us needs what's written in this letter. It's a treasure. It's a life-giving resource. It's a handbook describing all that Jesus has done for us. This letter has literally brought down empires and transformed not only lives, but entire societies. So I challenge you to read the book of Romans, not just once, but many times. If you have questions that arise and you don't want to wait for us to get through it as the slow pace that we do, just send the questions our way. We can work through it together. Reading Romans is life-changing. It's like fresh air to the generally muck and polluted world that we live in. So read Romans, listen to it, memorize it, whatever you can do to get it inside of you. It's the most pure description of the gospel in the entire world. And we need it because we need the Lord that it talks about. We need Jesus in our lives more than we could ever imagine. Well, he's here this morning, this evening, whatever time you're watching this, to meet with you. So let's spend some time together as the church discussing these things and growing in our relationship with God. God bless you guys. Talk to you soon.